Welcome to another edition of the American Scouser podcast. It's just me and Gordo tonight and we're here to talk about when 2016 Liverpool played 2019 RB Leipzig and Liverpool came out 4-3 winners on top. Gordo, what a weird game that was. Yeah, it was uh, a roller coaster of emotions, really. It was at one point you're sitting, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. We go up 3 nothing in the first half to look like we we're bossing the game. And then we let them get one at the end, and you kind of just gave it to them a little bit. And then, man, the second half was, was extremely nerve wracking. It was not what I expected, but I think Salzburg kind of hit us on an off day. And I think that we had already pretty much taken the three points from that game. But one thing that you do have to say is this team doesn't quit. And it, it looked as though because of the way that they responded when it went 3-3, they can score whenever they want because, you know, they just turned on the pressure and Salah got his fourth and then they just cruised for the rest of the game. Listen, mate, I, I'm all, I love a little throwback, Gordo, I really do. But throwing us back to 2016, Liverpool is not the throwback I need in my life. I like, <laughs> I like my Liverpool not giving up three goal leads. It's the best Liverpool. It's a wonderful Liverpool. But you know what, mate? You can have these kind of days now and then as long as people can win the game. Yeah. And, and that's all that matters, mate. But listen, we'll go into it a little bit. Um, as you know, probably for the first 35 minutes, the Liverpool probably played the best football we've seen all season, I'd say. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful perfection of football in the first 35 minutes. Leipzig were always in the game. I think you'd probably agree. Um, what do you think, mate, of the first half there? Well, let's call it the first 35 minutes. The first 35 minutes, I, I think you, you put it perfectly. I think it was the best time that we had, we'd played all season. We looked absolutely electric. We looked, It was typical Anfield European night. The boys were buzzing off the fans' energy. And we were just bossing the game. I and you're right. Salzburg did have a couple of, of good chances, and you know they they would get the pick the ball up and sort of challenge us a little bit. But it wasn't um, they, in terms of possession and stuff. They weren't in the game. It was always a fast break or you know a sloppy little play in the middle. I, I think that uh, Genie and Hendo didn't really have a great game. I think they were giving up too many easy stuff in the middle and kind of putting uh, Verge and Gomez on some into some pressure and. Yeah. I don't think Gomez was ready for that 90 minutes. He's a little shaky, and I, I think with the the possession in right in front of him with the, with the midfield, it didn't didn't bode well for him. But weathered the storm in the first little bit there, and and like I said, that third one goes in, and Sadio Mane scored, Robertson scored, Salah scored, and I think the whole team just pretty much thought they were going to wrap that one up and and take three points out of it. I'm sitting there on the 35 and I'm looking going, oh, it'll be nice to get Oxlade-Chamberlain some minutes. Maybe we can get him a full 40 minutes. I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm going, can we get these guys minutes? Right. It'll be interesting to see if we can make this formation. They score the first right. and I'm like, listen, it's a stunner. Their first goal is a stunner. It's beautiful. Well yeah. worth. And then I'm like, okay, fair enough. Listen, Liverpool will come on and turn the afterburners on the 4 or 5, mate. You get there to 3-3 three, three and you're like, wait there, there's no fucking changes right now. Stop worrying about Leicester. Leicester. Leicester was at the forefront of my mind on the 35th, mate. By the yep. 65th, mate, Leicester couldn't be so far away. <laughs> well, a, I was even thinking, I, some, somebody had joked on the um, on the uh, Facebook page about, oh, uh, you know, after Salah scores that goal, we're 3 nothing up. 
take Sal off at, at 40 minutes and put uh, Elliot out there just just to see the game out and give him <laughs> give him a rest. And you're absolutely right that like I think everybody was thinking about Lester. I mean, maybe that's why they let him three goals because even they were thinking about it. It's just all right, let's conserve our energy because Lester's probably the toughest challenge of the season so far. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Listen, I. I've been saying for a little while as well, the Reds have been due to give someone a hiding. Like, we've been due to whack someone. We haven't whacked no one in a while, really, when you've went out in one, three, four, five, and six. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, yep. you know, we beat Burnley, but it was comfortable. It wasn't like the Reds have dominated this game. You know, you beat Burnley by 3 0. It looks comfortable on paper. It wasn't really much like that. Um, and I was thinking that I was literally. But I always felt, though, good. I don't know about you. At 3 3, we're going to win this game no matter what. Liverpool will not lose this game. I think I wasn't convinced until two minutes after the third goal went in because the way that they were they were hitting us because they scored what like four minutes apart from each other. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, if we don't catch ourselves on the slide, they could get that fourth goal. But then we took possession and then we started pushing forward, which we hadn't done in like 25 minutes. And I, I was then I was convinced, oh, oh this is our game. We're definitely going to score. There's no way they're going to keep us out of the net. Yeah, mate. I, I, to be fair, God, I was sitting there thinking, and I, I, again, we'll break down the goals. Right, the first goal, Mane, it's a stunner. It's a beauty. Um, Bobby again, influential. The pass and the move, mate, just what you need. The second goal. Let's talk about the second goal. Andy Robbo <laughs> starts the move and finishes the move. What a goal that is! Yeah, I, watching the replay, when he scored, the first thing I thought about was, what the hell is he doing inside the six-yard box on that <laughs> run? But but then when you watch, he does. He sets it up. He wins the ball back, and it pretty much starts from our halfway line, and he comes straight from the left side, right through the middle. And, you know, that's another thing that Firmino does so well is he sees those plays develop, and he just drags defenders out of the play. And he has no involvement in the play whatsoever, but – just his movement opens up that space for Robbo. And I don't, he must have got a nosebleed. He just kept going and going. And, and there was a little point where he sort of hesitated. And like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be up this far. It was like around <laughs> the, he crossed the 18-yard box line. And, the, oh, I've never touched this line before. And then <laughs> Walls is in. And couldn't have been an easier tap. And it was such a great ball. I think it's uh, the, goal, the ball as well. I think he gives it to the midfielder. I think it's Henderson. Who gives it to Trent, and as soon as he gives it to the midfielder, he's automatically running to the space. His head lifts up, and he's like, "Well, the space is here. I might just continue my run." Kind right. of thing. You know, it's a, it's a it's a great goal. Listen, it was a big feel good moment. The goal was, you know, it's lovely to see Andy on the uh, get a goal. Then you know, Salah bags their goal. Huang, we just talked about it. It's it's beautiful. It really is. He turns Virgil Van Dijk mate inside out. Virgil, no one's oh, ever yeah. done that to Virgil. To be fair. I think it was He Chai Huang, his name is. I don't want to butcher his name. But, yep. um, he Chan, yeah, Huang He Chan. Yeah, Huang He Chan. Um, wonderful, stunning goal. He, listen, they played well. They had their chances in the, in the first half. They had a little, not chances as such, but spells of possession where they looked dangerous when they had the ball. And then they get the second, I think it's to, Takumi, I want to say. Yep. Yeah, Takumi. yeah. That's also a beautiful goal. It's a brilliant goal. Um, a lot of the goals for me okay I know we can talk about the quick free kick and getting caught out and things like that mate but the finish is still a really difficult finish for them to make 
That's true. Yeah, the first uh, the first goal. I mean, that was a tough tough angle. That is not an easy goal to score, especially because you are the person in front of you is Virgil Van Dyke, who's the best center back in the world. Yeah. And for him to turn and then it, to get away from Van Dyke, he puts himself even in a, a worse position to shoot that ball. And he he finds the side netting and puts in the back. I was I was really impressed with that one. But yeah, the 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 finishes are not easy, and sometimes I think you you can lose that perspective when you watch the game and you see the play develop before the finish. Like some yeah. of these goals, I mean, even the cross can be good, but that final touch sometimes is harder harder to put away than the most people think. I mean, the one that I always think about is Origi's goal to make it four nothing against Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a quick play. Yeah, Barcelona's sleeping, but that's not an easy no, – inside, almost inside the six-yard box, but that's not easy to come across and, yeah. and not put it over the bar. So, yeah, there, you, you do have to respect that. Listen, you know, it's, it's a stunning goal. They get the third to tap in, but it's great play again. Really impressed me with the play, the movements. You know, we'll probably get – I'll get into individual performances in a minute, but I like how the lads just didn't panic. I want to I talk about – the, the tactical change again that he made. Now, he's done this twice now in five days. He's went 4 4 and he's brought Origi on. And again, I think Origi has been brilliant again when he came on. Yeah, he he must have to wash his boots when he comes on because he literally hugs that left side. <laughs> and drag, you know, you can see, yeah. it, if you only watch him, you can see the right back for whoever that we're playing when he comes on is always trying to get back into line or, like, come back and, and cut off his angle. But he plays so wide that it often opens up that space for, for whoever wants to run into it because he plays just so far wide. But, yeah, he was really good and, and honestly really was the catalyst for us kind of changing the, the, the tempo and getting back into the game. For me, it's it's I think if this, is a, this is the interesting part where Jürgen has adapted himself. Um I know I'll make a joke about 2016 Liverpool. Um, but that's a fair point to bring up, I think, because Liverpool are not the same Jürgen Klopp team when we took over. It's not the same Dortmund, like when we played Dortmund and things like that, where it was heavy metal football. This Liverpool are a lot more regimental, I think, compared to that team back then. We can Liverpool can see a game out 1-0. That, that team could not win a game 1-0. No. There's just no way. Right? And I think Liverpool now are different. Now, the reason why I mention that is because it's the first time I've seen Jürgen tactically change his shape twice now. He's done it twice when he's changed the shape of the, the side during the game. Okay, I'm not talking three at the back, which he's done before for like the last 10 minutes to see certain games out. I'm talking about in an attacking sense. Usually when Liverpool are chasing the game, say, for example, he would have made a change, you know, say Mane for Shaft or someone like that. It would yeah, always like, be 4-3-3. Like... Um, or, you know, you do like Wijnaldum for Oxlade-Chamberlain. It was still 4-3-3. Now, these last two games, mate, he's really shown me something where he's made it doing the four-two-four, and it's kind of the last two games has kind of paid dividends for him. Yeah, it, he was extremely rigid. One thing, one of my criticisms early on with him was yeah, I felt that he never made substitutions at the right point. Yeah, uh, like he was really reluctant to to change his shape even with a new person, even if he kept the same formation. He didn't want to like try and influence with somebody else, but. I think that it stems from the fact that he really trusts Vir- Virgil Van Dyke, and why shouldn't he? He hasn't proven that you know he really hasn't taken a step wrong all season. But now he's got Fabinho, 
who's a classic center defender. So you've got that double line of defense. And then you've also got Henderson, who is much better in the position we have him playing in now, but he can easily drop back. And so you don't – all you have to do is move Henderson back and almost play shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Fabinho, and now you've got an extra layer of defense as well as two decent passers mm. over the top. And I think that's, that's the only reason that he's capable of doing this now because before Henderson was already playing that role. And we've seen time and time again Henderson and Milner playing a defensive center, or sorry, a center midfielder position. It just doesn't work very well together. I think now because we have a Fabinho, someone who actually can play that and is naturally gifted at that position, it gives them the freedom to do, to kind of pivot around that the spine. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting, and because I think he looks and goes, well, my best presser of the ball is Bobby. So why can't I why can't I just for twenty minutes play him as a number ten? I can get Mane on the right, or I can cheat and put two up front. I can play Mane up front and kind of steal. If you get what I mean, I'll play Salah up front yeah. alongside Bobby. I can play Mane right wing, and I can play Divock on the left when I'm attacking in a, a game, knowing that Bobby works so hard, he can do kind of the job that I need him to do. Also, it's like the number ten role in effect. Yeah, so, yeah. Can I basically can I cheat? Can I cheat and play like a twelve man formation with eleven here? Um play like a four three four. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what Bobby Carter offers you because he's such a unique player. There's not many teams in the world who can do it. So when and I everyone knows Mane from first playing on the right. Mane loved the right when he was at Liverpool. Um when he was at Liverpool. When he um, before Salah came. Everyone yep. knows he changed it and he didn't like the move. Okay, of course he's adjusted his top player there. Um so you can play Mane back in a favourite position, Divock on the left, and you can kind of steal, really. And because teams are so new to reacting to this right now, Liverpool, I, I believe, will win a lot more games later on if it is going to be tight by doing that. And especially with the pace of Divock, maybe some of the trouble he causes, as you've just perfectly hit the nail on the head, because Divock plays so wide, it creates the space for your Salah, for your Bobby to pick up the ball in between the six yard, uh, sorry, the area, and... The, the um the edge of the line to pick up that space in there, mate, where you can do your little tricks. You yep. can cut in with the ball. And I That's think it's really interesting. Uh... Exactly. You know, and I think it's really interesting, mate, that he's done it now. Like we all molded the start of the summer. Well not we, but not myself personally, but I know certain Liverpool fans molded last summer. Well if we don't sign anyone, you don't improve. And you know we can you know we have to sign play no you don't. You can make tactical adjustments but the what the opposition is not expecting. So, and where I've seen this, mate, and I only can see this as a massive positive for Liverpool, this little uh, tactical tweak where you can kind of steal positions. Yeah, because at this point, I, I think you, you said it perfectly, with just, you play that like a false nine almost, where you've got either Salah and Mane switching from the right side and then playing off the shoulder of Firmino, who's doing all the hard work. And then the defenders don't know because most of the time now the game's sort of evolved where you see less and less man-to-man coverage and it's a lot more zonal. And when you have players moving across zones, it gets extremely difficult for people to pick pick up teams. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, again, you know, I, I think that's a wonderful decision. You know, Salah gets his goal. It's a great finish. Um We'll crack on to the little individual performances, mate, I want to talk about. 
you know, I actually didn't think we played that bad. And, you know, people, I didn't think that, that certain players did. I thought Robbo had a good game. I thought Trent was good. I thought he got caught out a couple of times, but that's fine. And my argument with Trent all the time is just that Robbo gets a lot more support off Mane than what Trent does off Salah. Yeah. So, Robbo looks a lot better, I think, because Mane helps him a lot more. And I think Salah doesn't. And that's that's fine. If you score 40 goals a season, mate, you can fucking do what you like. But, I mean, if you look around the pitch, the one I want to talk about mostly is Joe Gomez. He did have an off night. I thought he was poor. Um, but I've kind of, now I've watched the game back and I've kind of looked at it in hindsight. It is only his second full 90 minutes for a long time. Um, and his last one was MK Dons when he had the cowboy next to him, Daisy Love, <laughs> which, you know, again, he wasn't convincing. It is just good to see him get 90 minutes under the belt. And maybe, you know, it's definitely going to be a learning curve for him. I think we also forget how young he actually is. Yeah, he's 22. I mean, I, I don't know if I could do that. 22, I could not go to Anfield and try and hold the 3-0 uh, lead on a European night. I mean, that's extremely difficult. At 22, I mean, there was, I was not, not mentally stable enough to do that. But <laughs> he, uh, that's another thing that I don't like that sometimes we do is it's almost like we watch these games as a FIFA game. Like these yeah. are just robots and they go out there and this is all they do all day. And, they, you know, they're not kids and they're not allowed to make mistakes because they make so much money. And I think sometimes they have to step back and, and realize that, a, these are human beings, and B, they are not, their brains aren't even fully developed as humans yet. So then they yeah. can go off. And especially if you give up, when you give up that second goal, there is a mental lapse. It doesn't matter how long you've been playing. You're up 3 nothing, and all of a sudden it's 3-2. At home, you can start to feel the electricity change. And the fans really at Anfield don't get on the players as much as they do in other stadiums. But there is, you could definitely feel the drop in electricity, as well as the the Red Bull fans were actually fantastic. There was a several yeah. times where I could hear them over the cop, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially on a European night. So, kudos to them, and and the atmosphere changes, and when you're that young, you definitely lose yourself. I, I think uh, I think the owners definitely give them fucking some Red Bull before the game, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> they were absolutely nuts, some of them, but yeah, they were. Oh, you know, I think the thing is with Joe, I think we forget how good Matip has been. But before he got his injury, he was playing at a level I've never seen a 22-year-old centre-back play before. Virgil van Dijk was not this good at 22. He's playing in the Scottish League. That's, yeah. You know, let's not, you know, disrespectful, mate. I could play in the Scottish League. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, come on. It's it's not difficult. I'm not, again, I'm not being disrespectful, but these lads are not top level. Uh, Virgil van Dijk was in that league. So, we, you know, Kudabali right now is probably the second best centre half in the world. Is he 30 now, I think? Or is he 29 or 30? I don't yeah, know, he... even know where he was at 22. You know, the only ones I can kind of think of that stands out right now who's playing is Delit, who's kind of playing at a certain level. Um, got his big money with the Juventus, of course. I actually watched the game, the first game of the season. I think he played Napoli, funny enough, yeah. Uh, and he was, dread- he was dreadful. Juventus won 14, he was awful. Uh, but listen, that's so you're gonna have these mistakes in games. The main thing is is that you win the game. Yeah, Liverpool especially in the Champions League. Exactly, mate. Liverpool won the game. 
win your home games, pick up a couple of draws away, you'll get through. That's how it works. I always say this, you can afford to lose a game. It's fine, but Liverpool never lost a game. It's okay to concede three goals as long as you score four. But okay, of course, not every single week. But Liverpool don't do this anymore every single week. Right. To be to be precise with you, Gordo, we're going to have a little game, okay, mate? Sounds good. Three teams. One's Leipzig, so there's two teams. I put three or more goals past Liverpool since Kiev. One's Leipzig. Can you give me the other two? Who scored three or more goals? Us. No, because City, that was... Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't at home, though. Where was... Ooh. I'll give you it because you might not give me you might not get it right. So Tottenham, Tottenham. No, uh, Barcelona put three past us. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about at home. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, at home. The the the, the other one uh, which really rings a bell, which is one I forgot about. It is a uh, Crystal Palace. Oh yeah, four, yeah. 4-3 last year. Uh, yes. So this what I, what I'm trying to the reason why I've said that is is that Liverpool don't do this anymore we do not concede three goals and when we do concede three goals the Barcelona game is the most undeserved 3-0 win you'll ever have in your life oh man yeah and the other games that you just mentioned which is like City the 4-3 Palace 4-3 Leipzig 4-3 there's a common denominator that Liverpool score (laughs) 4 Liverpool (laughs) won the game (laughs) so you know what I'm saying so it's you know I think it's fine it's a one-off goal to me um, Liverpool win the game and I think the key of the night is which is something I've got, I've got to touch on which is kind of shocked me Napoli drew with Genk yeah yeah well that that this result and that result was something that I definitely want to talk about because A Salzburg if they came to Anfield and played that well mm-hmm. I just think they'd do the same at Napoli but going to Salzburg is going to be difficult yeah. Especially if their fans are, are like that. that's It's going to be a crazy place to play. So you can expect to either really eke out a win or have a tough draw. And same for Napoli. And if Genk ties Napoli, of course, Napoli were playing away. Yeah. But, I mean, this, this could be an open – it could be a really open – or a lot more open than we thought it was. I mean, Salzburg could, could get out of this group. I Because mean, what they beat – Gank like five one or something. Four one, yeah. I, th- I think they've scored seven goals in two games. Yeah, that's super impressive for how young this team is. And I mean, really, Salzburg were nobody last year. So I make the, the uh, you know, and I, I, I mentioned that on the preview. Salzburg are undefeated in the league. They've won eight three one. Yeah, uh, which is a stunning record in anyone's league or anyone's book. Uh, so this is a team. This is a team with confidence. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest and apologise, I should have given them more respect, really. I I was thinking, well, you know, the, the thing I had in the back of my mind was the Porto game last year oh, and two years ago when they were undefeated at home for like fucking 15 months, the Liverpool go down and put five past them. And right. I'm like, well, that's how it works. You know what I mean? You play a good side, you get beat. Uh, to be fair, on the 35th minute, I was thinking that. I was thinking <laughs> this could be seven or eight. <laughs> um but listen, they equipped themselves well. I think you've got the key here. I think Liverpool have got the key also. We played Genk twice now, back to back. Liverpool right. have to get six points. But can you back Napoli to get six points? Because I can't. No, because, yeah, they've got to play Salzburg back to back. Honestly, the way that this group has fallen in terms of 
fixtures for us, I, it couldn't be better. Because yeah. if Liverpool come out of week five, or no, week four with mm-hmm. nine points, yep. we're going through. I mean, we, we can afford to tie. I, I really don't think Napoli's going to beat us at Anfield. No. So you can afford to tie away the, to Red Bull. And, I mean, you don't even have to worry about it until the end of November. So I think it sets us up really nicely. But obviously if Gank held Napoli 0-0 away, then we've got a little bit of a battle for us. Yeah, and I also think it's it's now in Liverpool's court. So Liverpool can go, you know, I know this sounds disrespectful as such, but if Liverpool win the next three Premier League games, they are sorry, not Premier League games. If Liverpool win the, three, the next three Champions League games, they're through. Um, you know, I think our last game is Red Bull. Um, we play Napoli on the fifth game, then we go back. We go to Salzburg for the sixth game. Um, that's in between. We go to Bournemouth away and Watford at home. So it'd be nice if we can bang the kids out ready for the Watford game. Um, also, we, uh, after the Watford game, we got the Club World Cup that we go to in. December, so we're gonna have a kind of a fixture pile up there. So it'd be nice if we got to the Salzburg game with the group kind of tied up and we yep. rest players because we have got this kind of fixture build up. Yeah, but, definitely. But, you know, a couple of other little special mentions of fortune. He was poor man, and I look at the chance of three one. You know, in the second half when Mane sets him up, mate, he's in the box. If he's wearing yep. the Holland shirt, he puts that top in. And, <laughs> He like, I don't know what it is sometimes with Genie. I love them. I love him. Love his work rate. Love his energy. Love his passion. But, mate, sometimes, mate, he doesn't have to get some strikes where you're like, you know, come on, fella. This is 20 yards out. He could have made the game a lot easier for us. I thought he was poor. Poor Henderson was poor by Henderson standards. I thought the game kind of got over him. Um, which, listen, it's fine. It's not an issue. You can have bad performances as long as you win the game. Um, I thought Virgil was also bang average, maybe close to being poor for Virgil's standards. The only reason why I wouldn't say he was too poor because he probably won nearly every header in the year. So again, still, even though he was poor on the floor, maybe positionally, he won every single header. And it doesn't half help any defenders winning every single header for you. So, but uh, Gordo, we'll move on. Give me a man of the match for that game, fella. For us, yeah, for the Reds, only the Reds. Yeah. Probably have to say either – the only thing keeping me from saying Salah is the fact that I felt he too much of what he tried didn't come off. There were too many wayward passes that ended up resulting in a breakaway. And most of the time it was just because, as you had pointed out, our, our midfield just wasn't great and couldn't close down that the fast break before it happened. But mm. I would either say – Robbo, just for the work rate that he puts in every week and also getting a goal, I, that's probably my man of the match. Is he a better smile in football than Andy Robbo's? Oh, it's <laughs> wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the photo of him and Trent like hugging near the corner flag after he scores is like they both have the biggest smiles on their faces ever. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to go with Salah. I thought he needed the goals, to be honest. I really did. I thought he was poor last week, although, you know, at Sheffield United, I thought he was dreadful, to be honest. Um, and I think it was key for all, if it was key for Marnie to forget about the, the misses at Sheffield United for him to get a goal. I think it's 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 good for him, you know what I mean? Because you say, for example, say the goalie saves that chance and he doesn't score. It's on his mind again, I think. Um, 
And I think with Salah getting the two goals, mate, I think that's great for his confidence. But we'll uh, go on. No, I think it's better actually that he does get the game-winning goal. Like, say we did really yeah. kick on after three nothing and win seven seven zero, and he still gets two goals. I don't think that does as much for him as getting a win at Anfield, getting the the goal that that gives us the three points in the group. I think that does that's almost like scoring two goals. I I think that you're right. I think that that will do him a world of confidence. Definitely, mate. Um... We'll have a little look then for the weekend then, Gordo. We'll um, come on to what I believe is the game of the weekend, is Liverpool versus Leicester. Um, Leicester are flying. Let's make no qualms about it. Leicester are flying. We know the manager. We know who he is. Good luck the old broge, the Brendan Rojo. Um, <laughs> give me, probably give me, the apart from last season, the best season I've ever had following Liverpool. I was, I, I was actually living in Liverpool at the time. And the buzz around the buzz in the city when we kind of fell into the title race. We were never in a title race. We fell into a title race. Let me get that clarified again. We fell into a title race. This <laughs> um, one, mate. I look at that. I look back, mate, and it's one of my favourite things to watch. Mate, I watch a few games back. You know, I, I want to talk about a couple of the little memories. I don't know. I, I, you probably remember the Arsenal game at home, five-one. Yep. Four yep. the look inside twenty minutes. I remember. I remember we were shocking. We had the worst record in the world at Stoke. We went in a cold Wednesday night in January, I think, and won 5-3. Uh, it, it was a special time. We all thought we could do it, don't get me wrong. And, you know, we know the reasons why it never happened. I think there's other reasons also. But oh, plenty of them. I just want to get, I just want to get your feelings, mate. What are your feelings on Brendan Rodgers going up? He, I, I still think he's probably, for me, the best manager outside the top three. Yeah, as well, I'm trying to think of I, right now in the Premier League, I think there's a a real shortage of good managers. Like I, I feel That's like fair. a lot of these a lot of these clubs have sort of failed in terms. Basically, it's like City and Chelsea. They got all this money, and then everyone realized, oh, we need to do the same thing, and they're trying to compete with something that they can't, which is money, instead of just focusing on actual play. And they've sort of put themselves in a downward spiral, which is funny. We've sort of reversed it because Liverpool were poor before the money came in and then started their upward trend as the money came in. And we, we sort of, we did it the hard way. We did it the right way where all these other clubs like United and, and Arsenal and even Chelsea now are sort of doing what we were doing five, six years ago where we were just in a carousel of managers. And instead of sticking out with somebody, they, they kind of, they're just throwing whatever they can in the in the ring, and oh, this guy won a couple of Europa leagues. Let's get him in. And like, oh, does it does he fit any of the players that we have? Oh, not really, but he should be good enough to do it. And so right now, I think that it, it's 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 probably the weakest crop of managers that we've ever had. With at the same time having two of the best managers in the world in the Premier League, but I think yeah, Brendan Rodgers definitely has to be up there. Um, personally, I felt like when we and it, this is sort of just influence from from my dad, but I felt like when we got him from Swansea, especially because we had had that carousel of, of managers and the owners at that point weren't right, and they the club was just in a in a weird funk, and it felt like he was a, a sign that the club was okay with being a mid table team at that point. Mm. And I didn't feel like he was big enough for Liverpool or like what Liverpool should 
and used to be. But he definitely, he, I think he started it. I really do. I think that you have to, you can't give Jurgen Klopp all the credit because the club was moving in the right direction with him, and I think it really came down to his youth development. I mean, look at Sterling, and the, the kid is on fire. I mean, of, of course, he's getting balls from KDB, and I think you could put a plastic cone in the six-yard box every week, and he'd get the Golden Boot Award every year. But um, I just I, I don't think that you could – you could say that Liverpool are where they are in spite of him. So I, you do you do have to respect him a little bit. Yeah, listen, I, I've got a big soft spot for him, you know. Um, again, because of these kind of things. I think... I think it's underrated what he did at Liverpool. And the reason I say that is, is that not many managers could play three at the back. Not many managers look and had the testes to play three at the back. And the reason I say that is, is that sometimes your attack is best form of defence. And he realised that the defence wasn't that good, but his attack was that good. Um, yeah. let's, I, the first season it was building blocks. You know, the one criticism would have, he couldn't sign a player to save his life. Um, I think he only probably had Sturridge and Coutinho was probably like, key standouts of like, wow, what a signing who like really kicked on for us. Deggsy was a good enough signing. You could say he signed, you know, I think he signed Milner and Bobby, but they, they were literally three months before he got fired. Um, you know, but should we go, you know, in that season he goes to get the back, he looks at Sturridge and Suarez, Sterling, Gerard is on his last legs, let's be real. Um, Coutinho, He's starting to kind of grow into his own mate. And he just went, you know what, we'll just score more goals than you and see where it takes us. I think Liverpool were fifth in the league. I think we played, this is all off the top of my head. We played Everton in the start of March, end of February, start of March. It was when Sturridge scored two. We went three, uh, one, four, nil. And oh, yeah. Sturridge yeah. in the lob. I think they were above us in the league. Everton. Or they were a point below us. They were very close to us. The Liverpool just went on like 11 game win streak. We're, yeah, he had a habit of doing that. Like the, at the end of the the, I, the back end of the season was always his favorite, and we'd go on a nice little run at the end of of not dropping points for like nine, ten games. That was it, mate. So we went on this like eleven game win streak. People forget that in the March, Chelsea were seven points clear or nine points clear in March, and then they go to Aston Villa, lose. They play somewhere else at home. I think it went to Sunderland at home and lose. And before you know it, Liverpool are in the title race. Liverpool were never in this race from the start of the season. Liverpool, yeah. you know, Liverpool, as I say, Suarez is suspended for the first six games because of the bite um, on Ivanovic the season before. Um, we, I think we win the first four games, 1-0, all studded goals, I think. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is, you're absolutely right. It was Yeah, yeah we go to the Villa. He scores one of the best goals you'll ever see. Studdage, we take on like five players. Uh, play United at home Stoke at home on Sal Minnelli's debut uh, he scores there yeah I think it's I think it's four I can't remember the other one is by yeah, the way this is, this is ridiculous dollars at the top the of my head Minnelli <laughs> saved the penalty that game didn't he definitely yeah Minnelli saved the penalty and I went look at us we've signed the new Peter Schmeichel I was soon wrong <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is all off the top of my head by the way I promise uh, but anyway we fell into this title race we know what happened. Gerard slipped. Yeah, you're hilarious. Um, but what he did was provide belief again. 
Liverpool were just on the edge of this wave. Liverpool were never built for a title race, mate. We're playing Ali Sissoko left-back. Liverpool were never, ever built for a title race. The team was not good enough to win a Premier League title. I say it right now, mate. Maybe apart from Blackburn and the Leicester. Actually, the Blackburn side was good. It's probably the worst league if we ever would have went to win it. The worst team to ever win it. As a starting eleven. You know, you look at the teams who have won it in the past. Chelsea side, the Mourinho's and the Conte's and the Ancelotti's. Alex Ferguson's, no, no more needs to be said. Um, probably would have been one of the worst sides to ever win it. Good, to be oh, honest. Oh, definitely. Um, Besides so, maybe maybe United the the last the last one yeah yeah that was a crap team. Had, like Fletcher and Phil Jones yeah yeah that was the, he was the only manager that could that could ever make that team win a Premier League title I know mate and literally if you've got a striker though who scores to thirty goals you're going one way aren't you so you know again so yeah I've got a big soft spot for Brendan and you know we can come on to the game now I think what he's done with this side. He took a team of good players, and they were good players, right? And he just made them organised. It's very simple. Football is not difficult. You pass and you move. That's it. You score goals. What he's done, mate, is made them organised. So what he's done, which I've, I'm a biggest, his biggest fan of, he went to United in the summer. They went, we'll give you £60 million for Harry, Harry Maguire. He's like, no, 185. Okay, I'll come back to you. 63, no, 185. 70, no, 185. <laughs> we're not you don't you understand he's not going unless you give me 85 <laughs> like, you'll get it in the end basically they got it in the end and he's had the pants down as we say in the UK, in the, uh, the UK but he's got players like Jamie Vardy who's probably in his last season at this level and I I, 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 always, I said that last year and he, and he proved me wrong but he's now 32 good um, Jamie Vardy relies a lot on his pace um, I'm not saying his pace is waning but soon you find out you are very old overnight. But I look at his midfield, mate. I think his midfield's probably better than Tottenham's. I love it. Oh, yeah. I think I love... Ndidi, you know, we've had this discussion good on previous podcasts. I think Ndidi's probably top three best defensive midfielders in the league. I love James Madison and I love Yori Tillmans, mate. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's it was on the podcast where we were saying who we'd take from each team. Yeah. And I think we, this was the hardest team to take from because there were so many kids in midfield that we'd scoop up. And the fact that they're all relatively still in the early stages of their careers and you get a couple seasons out of them and then pull Harry Maguire where you either you either keep them and kick on or you get $80 million for them and then you can buy whoever the hell you want. Yeah, and so what, what I'm getting at is, mate, these are my pick for the Premier League top four this season. And that's probably testament to how good Brendan Rodgers has kind of made them organised. I don't know what you're, what you're thinking. I look at the rest of the league, good. and to be honest with you, I think they're all shit. And the only one who's kind of standing out to me to be a good side is probably Leicester. Yeah, I, I think Leicester will finish third. I just think the other teams are too inconsistent. And then you've got Arsenal, who... The, the writers had wrote him in as the third best team in the Premier League, and they've already taken that as gospel. And yeah. they're, they're not even trying to play it. I think that there's something wrong at Chelsea in, in terms of – I mean, they're all they're all young kids, but I don't think that's a good team anymore. Uh, okay. United is, is falling apart. I mean, they've got rotten infrastructure that they haven't been able to take out. They've got nobody in the back for them. But you'll get to them. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, I mean, this is, it's, 
it's Leicester's Champions League spot to lose because I think they're the most complete team besides mm. Liverpool and, and City. Mm. It's big. I understand what you're saying. I think it's it's going to be one of those games, mate, where it could be like a basketball match. Um, it's it could be end to end. Brendan can't defend. Did we know that? Um, Brendan isn't going to build a side up to defend. I feel like I don't know what you're feeling, mate, but I'm feeling this is a really big game for Liverpool. I think if you win this game, because I also think City will know they had a bastard of a game with them last season when they only won one nil. Company they lost to them last year at the the King Power. I think City look and go. There's probably only ten games in the league, twelve games where Liverpool will lose or drop. And I think I think City might look at this one and go, "This is one of them." Yeah, definitely. This is one that that. If they do drop points, I don't think it'll be like a shock. Had had we tied Sheffield, I think you know the papers in the UK are, are famous for blowing everything up and and getting yeah. deep and everything. And and so I feel like this uh, the Sheffield tie, if we only got one point there. I think that's what would have happened. It would have blown up. Like, what's wrong with at Liverpool? What's going on? Jurgen Klopp not happy. Is the rift between Salah and Mane, you know, deeper than anyone thinks? But I think this one, if you if you don't come away with three points, I don't think it's as big, and I think that's due to the fact that Leicester are a damn good side. And I, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I don't like Brendan Rodgers is not going to defend. And one thing that I we sort of already talked about was um, it's it's a lot easier to play the way that our yeah. front three do when you have a team that you're playing that is zonal marking, and. Brendan Rodgers will come to Anfield. He'll want to get all three points. He'll play an offensive attack. And if we're on our game and we can find the passes, I think that it will be a basketball score. Yeah. Um, quick question here, Gordo. Would you take four points out of the next two games? Uh, you, you get greedy after a while, but when you think about it, and we've already taken – T- you know, 20, 21 points out of seven. If I, I, I will. Know, four points out of Leicester at home and United away. Yeah, well, of course. If you look, if you gave me at the beginning of the season and said it I after the nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I, I think. Yeah, I think it would because I, I think that yeah. you want this to, you don't want them to drop points, but. It's it'd be so difficult not to, to go thirty eight games without dropping a single point. So where are yeah. you going to drop that? And if these were the two games that we don't get six out of, I think I'll be all right with that. Especially because we did have a, a, a Champions League game and we just had the Carabao Cup, and I believe don't we have one in between Leicester and United too? Uh, it's the international break, isn't it? Oh God. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, I'll be honest with you, God. And I know we'll touch on this probably next week when we do like our uh, United preview podcast. I'll be more pissed off if we didn't beat United than Leicester. I was then, just going to say that. I would, I would rather lose the points from Leicester than Leicester at home than, than I'm the same. Because I, I think United, look, I think City will go to United and beat them. So, you know, but anyway, that's for, that's for another podcast. But give me a score prediction anyway, Gordo. I'm going to say... 4-1 Liverpool. Oh, well, I'll take a bit of that. I'm going to say 2-0. A, a solid win. Uh, 
I think Joe Matip will come back in. I think you'd agree. Um, I think his midfield options are interesting. Um, does he go with the Chamberlain? Um, does he go with this midfield that he loves, which is Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho? What are you thinking? Any little changes in there? Yeah, I'm trying to think like who you gotta you gotta put somebody hard on on GD, otherwise he's gonna he'll own the game in the middle. So you've got I think you either have to have I don't know I want to say Milner five years ago <laughs> would be perfect for this team. Milner, good bets, yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah, but I don't know. Maybe this is the game for Ox. I think maybe as long as one of the things with Ox is is I feel like he's always. He has a mentality of like a, a seven-year-old on a playground where like he just sometimes is like, oh, I want to get up and score. And he just kind of wanders forward. If you can keep him grounded and keep him in that in that triangle in the middle of the field, I think he's the guy to kind of put that bully foot into Ndidi and Tielemans and harry him down. And I mean, he's not easy to knock off the ball. And then you have Henderson on the other side and where are you going to, where are you going to go for respite? There's nowhere to go. And then if you turn around, you've got Firmino down your back. So maybe this is the game for for Ox. But honestly, I think I think he still still sticks with his. Career. If I was if I was going to put money on it, I would say it's probably Dini, Hendo, and Ronaldo. Mm. Or Dino. Sure, the why I think he's unchanged. Apart maybe Matip, just I say Matip come in if he's fit. Um, I think he's unchanged. Otherwise. We'll move on. Let's have a little look at the rest of the Premier League. Then, fella, here's we're coming up to it. We'll go to our rivals. Our only rivals in this league at the moment are Manchester City, mate. They're playing Wolves at home. Uh, Wolves have just been in Turkey today playing Besiktas. They won 1-0 in the last couple of minutes, I believe. Um, yeah. Bowley scored. Can you see any shockers there, mate? Because I can't. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That one, they're really struggling, and and we sort of talked about it before the season even started on one of these podcasts where teams that aren't very deep that you know do succeed and get a Europa spot, they don't really do well in the next season. I mean, look at Burnley last year; it just their squad's not deep enough, and for them to come back from because it was at it was at Besiktas, so they've got they're yeah. playing enough to come back to. And I, I just I don't see him being a fit. I mean, they just got their last win or their first win of the season in the last game, and it was against Watford, which I mean, they're pretty much just giving points away at this point. So <laughs> I don't think that there's there's anything to do there. Yeah. Um, well, you can one positive then they've won two on the bounce. Let's say that. Um, <laughs> Maybe feel a bit better about myself, but I do think they're pretty average as well. Um, no, I'm looking around the league right now. Let's have a little laugh at Manchester United, mate, if you fancy it. Um, I've always got time to laugh at Manchester United, me. Um, played AZ Alkmaar today in the Europa League. He's laughing already. I haven't even finished it. So, <laughs> he tied the game 0-0 and he didn't have a shot on target. Gordo, can you discuss? <laughs> it's... it's... I, I that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer played this perfectly because before the game started in his pre-match conference, I, I saw it. It came actually as an ESPN uh, alert, which ESPN doesn't really care about the Europa League too much. So if you're going to get an alert from ESPN about the Europa League, then you know that it was uh, the major talking point in a, <laughs> a, like a pre-match conference. And he was saying how shit the field was. So I think he set himself up purposely. You know, it's... 
he didn't feel comfortable being there, and, and he just sort of like, you know, if we win, oh, we won, and it was a crappy pitch. We did a really good job. If we lose, oh, it was a crappy pitch, so we lost because we can't play on that field. I think he, he was kind of a little scapegoat that he, he opened the door for himself, but that is so poor. I mean, I remember like 2000, it had to be four. No, no, it was early in that. Probably like 2012. We playing young boys on a Thursday. Yeah, and it was like a similar thing where it's just like Jesus Christ, like why did I even go to the bar to watch this? This is it's yeah. what, what am I doing? This is garbage. I can't believe they're actually showing this on TV. So I am I'm sort of loving this because yeah, you know, I got a lot of shit from United fans in my high school and college years. So this is good. <laughs> it's fun to turn around on them. That's what happens, mate, when you put a PE teacher in t- in charge of a football team. But, uh, <laughs> you put Gollum, you, you bring him out of the caves and put him on the bench. Mate, I, you know what, mate? And you know what, mate? United's one of my biggest things. I, I, just so you know, guys, I think I'll only think about football in this world, football and boxing. And I think, about, I think a lot about United. And for me... There's a very, very simple fix to United, right? Is that they're just not very good. And it's, I know this sounds ridiculous. What do you remind me of is when Liverpool brought Kenny Daglish back. And yeah. where I know, you know, we all know we, we, we feel about Kenny. We don't need to talk about what we feel about Kenny. Kenny was not tactically astute enough for the game anymore. I know that sounds disrespectful, and it might be. But you know what, mate? It's a fact. He wasn't tactically astute enough. Yeah. yeah, he'd been out the game for too long. Now, I'm not saying this is about Solskjaer, but we wanted Kenny, mate, on the back of it, a feeling that we had 30 years ago. We They wanted Solskjaer, mate, on a feeling that they'd be at the back 20 years ago. This is how it works. And, but when you sit down, mate, and look at the cold, hard facts, they haven't, they, I mean, they haven't won an away game. And I think it's 10 now or something. Are we having a serious conversation? When Liverpool, okay, was shit, and we've been shit, Liverpool did not go 10 games off an away, an away win. No, I don't know. Definitely not. Liverpool did not do these kind of things. Liverpool were half competitive. This is, mate, a, a bottom 10 Premier League side. I'm, being, I'm, I'm not saying that like out of bitterness. I'm, let's, I look at the team. I like Wan Bissaka. We all know the goalkeeper's good, but he's been shit for 18 months. Harry Maguire for 85 million quid <laughs> is. Do you know what it is, mate? Right? And this is just like a general chat now about football, right, Gordo? Is that what Virgil van Dijk has done is changed football because what he's done, he's made the, the selling clubs shit themselves and think, well, if he turns into van Dijk, we're fucked. So we need Van Dyke money. Because if we go and sell him, for example, the 30 million quid, which is what he's worth, and he turns into Virgil Van Dyke, where our fans are gonna go, what the fuck were you playing at? So this is what it do it's done. Virgil Van Dyke has set a precedent. A bit like when Neymar left to go to PSG for 270 million or something ridiculous. Right. It sets a precedent. So that's why we could ask 150 for Coutinho or whatever it was. Do you think we could ask 150 for Coutinho if Neymar had ne- never left for 270? No, because before that, what was the the most the biggest transfer was only like 90. 
Pogba, Pogba, Pogba 90 million, I think. Yeah. Pogba, I think. So, that's what it's done now. It's set the precedent of what you can buy players for. And then I think they bought they bought Dembele as well for like 110 million. But the precedent was set. So, when you look at their side, they're playing Ashley Young, left-back. And you know what, mate? I feel sorry for him. He's not a left-back. He's a right-winger. And he's 34. And he's playing left-back. Right? This was a lad, by the way, right? I think he gets a lot of harsh criticism. And I'm not saying the criticism because he's not good enough. Because he was a really good player, you know. Um, but he's playing out of position. If I said to you now, mate, oh, yeah, we're going to go and play Salah left-back. <laughs> That's what it's like doing. Because he used to play left in a front three. On the right-hand side. I'm right. actually going to go to play Salah left back or Mane right back because that's exactly what it's like. It's I feel harsh for him. I look at the midfield. McTominay looks okay, but he's bang average at best. Matic, I've I've seen milk turn quicker than that man. Jesus. I've, now Pogba, mate, and we can say what you like about Pogba. He is their best player by a mile. There's no, he's I like, and I'm all, I'm of the opinion. I'd, if it was me. And I was the United manager. I'd sell Pogba just to try and create a new identity. Now, that's one thing I would say under uh, which when we compare Brendan Rodgers to Jürgen Klopp, mate, like we were touching on before. I think, and it's where I want to bring you in, God, I think United are missing an identity so much that they, do not, they don't even know where they're going to turn to. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, the, the fact of the away matches... And also Old Trafford, I mean, in much the same way that Anfield is and always has been, uh, no one's scared to go to Old Trafford anymore. It's exactly. It's got it. That's got to kill them. That has to absolutely kill them. They can't win a game away, and then their fortress. Like, nobody, nobody's scared to go there, and everyone feels like they can actually. It's somewhere they can go to take points. Where in years past, it's like, oh, let's hope to get a point. That'd be great. I mean, when Arsenal, who were one of the most average top four sides this year, go to go to Old Trafford and they're pissed about tying one one. I mean, yep. something something's definitely wrong. But I I always feel like Man United is like one of those. It's like a Sunday League team that they didn't have enough players, so they got to like one of their best players has to play back. <laughs> the skill, you know, you you you've only got four guys that show up every week that play defense, and one of them doesn't show, and you're like, all right, well, you you sort of play the wing, so why don't you go back there and fill that spot? Mate, yeah, I, you know what, mate, I couldn't agree more. This is let's get let's get it right. This is one of the biggest football clubs in the world. I know we are bitter and we're biased, but they are one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and. At the moment, I've never seen a team so lacking and have an identity. It's a bit like Everton at the moment, and I could talk about Everton all night. I'm not going to, but um, <laughs> they're lacking an identity. I don't know what they are. Where, for example, you know what Liverpool are, you know what you're going to get. I just don't know what I'm going to get with them. And the, the reason is, as well, they're paying average players extortionate money. Extortionate. They've just signed De Gea on a 350 grand a week contract at like 28 as a goalkeeper. Okay, yeah, goalkeepers go to the role. That's fine. I mean, no, okay, if if De Gea wanted to leave, say, where's he going to go, mate? Because I don't know Gordo. Because no. Well, that's why he hasn't gone. Because all the top clubs have got a goalie. 
Oh, we, every, every club's got a goalie. Courtois, Real Madrid. Kayla Navas is at PSG. Ter Stegen's at Barcelona. You know, Buffon's back at Juventus with Chesney, who's a decent enough keeper. Liverpool have got a goalie. City have got a goalie. So where are you going to go? Kepa is at Chelsea. I don't understand. Because you'd look and go to... You'd, you'd call the highest bluff and go, we're not giving you 350 grand a week. You go and speak to the rest of the clubs. Who want you? Because... Oh, your old club, Atletico? No, mate, they've got the second best goalkeeper in the world. Right. Where are you going to go? Do you get what I mean? I don't understand why they did it. You know, I want to get your thoughts, really. Why would you put... For example, it's 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 so ridiculous that they put Rashford on 250 grand a week when he's a fucking... Yeah. He's a below top 10 Premier League player. And I mean that, and people yeah. can call me out in the group. Feel free. Tag me. David Cosgrove is my full name. Let me know if we can have a discussion on this. The man's gone into double figures once in his career. Yeah, and I don't think that you deserve that money until you prove time and time again. I, I think that was a, a rash rash move to try and keep a young, talented player at the club, them knowing that they're sort of going in the wrong direction, but it's not, not the way to do it. Because then what you do is you cause a, a, an even bigger problem because his wages, who's going to yeah. take those wages on if he's not banging in ten, at least 10 a season? So now you, you keep in much the same way like De Gea. You have to keep him at the club because the one you want to sell him, nobody's going to take him because no one wants to take his wages off you. I mean, the, part of the reason that Alexi Sanchez is still Could there, because he's only on loan now, and I don't know the deal. I don't know how they decided to split his wages, but the man had outrageous <laughs> wages, and even if it was – 50-50 no. with, with Inter Milan, they're still paying a shitload for a player that, I mean, what, had maybe 24 touches last season? It's just like, it doesn't make sense. They're, they're wasting money, and I don't know. They're just trying to plug the wrong holes on a sinking ship, but the, it, it's a, the game is sort of passing by, and they're sort of in much the way that we were, although yeah. I don't feel like we had – had gone quite as desperate as this, but just clinging on to what we used to be. I think the problem with them is there was an era where Liverpool were still good, but couldn't really break into the top. And we were always hanging around the top four in the top four. We were going to, we were going into the Champions League consistently and getting out of the groups and things like that. And then there, there was a big enough gap between when we were untouchable in the Premier League, well, in, in the English first division and in the European Cup to now that we've sort of shed that identity, whereas Man United were good five years ago, six years ago. And, like, so it's it's so – this is so new to them. They have no idea what to do. And, and most of their fan base – I mean, the only people that don't know how good or never experienced how good United was are not even old enough to go to the bathroom on their own. So I think it's, yeah. it, it, it's just a situation where – they're they're not used. They nosedive so quickly. They're sort of in limbo, and, and I think they're making all the wrong moves. Mate, I, I tell you what, mate, right? And we can talk about Tottenham, mate, getting knocked for seven in the Champions League, mate. But I tell you what, mate, I'll be buying money to get that manager in my club. I think it takes a big man to accept that you've made the mistake with Solskjaer. I think it takes a big club. But the problem is, and it, it's very simple is that 
what the fans have done, which they don't realise, they give all the power to the Glazers. And the reason why I say that is, is that they asked for Soulshire. So they give you Soulshire. Bully shit. Right then, so don't ask us anymore for what you want. We're going right. to tell you what you want. You know what I mean? So what you've done now, if we're into, oh fuck, it's a bit like Liverpool with Kenny. We had to accept Brendan. Because what, what would our choice anymore? Our choice was shit. Let's, yep. be, get, let's get it like me. With FSG at the time, it was not all plain sailing with Liverpool and FSG. And so Liverpool never had a choice in the matter. Like United fans have now not got a choice. And the problem is with Alexi Sanchez, and you are correct, they're paying him 400, £410,000 a week. Translated, guys, is about five, half a million dollars a week. And in some land, they're paying 25% of that. So what they are doing is paying a man What's that then? Close to three hundred grand, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a week. He's not at the club for nothing. For nothing. So, Gordo, this is the key to the argument. Now, it's not just that he's not there. It's when you sit down with another player, with his agent, and the agent, and he sits down with him, and he goes, "Well, my lad, here, yeah, you're not in the Champions League. Yeah, okay. How much you're offering? Two hundred grand a week. Well, you're paying that fool four hundred, and he's better than him. Right, and he's so not what playing for do you get what I'm saying? Walking my man yeah. off. Because that's what it does. It's, for example, when Liverpool sit down with players right now, they go, who's your top in it? Virgil van Dijk, 200 grand a week. Oh, right. By the way, he signed on 100 grand a week. And then because of his performances and his bonuses and his earnings, he got up to 200 grand a week. Because so, that's how we do it. So Liverpool have an identity. We know what player we want. We know how our wage structure is. That's what I'm talking about with identity. I'm not just more on the football field. I'm talking about off the field as well. Do you get what I mean? And it's that kind yeah, of... Yeah, players... Yeah, go on. Players are willing to take that those pay cuts, too, to play for us. Correct. Whereas, like, you know, if I'm going to play for United, I want 300000 a week because that's what you're paying. You're paying Rashford close to that, and he's not even getting you ten. I can guarantee that my client will get you at least 12 goals a season in the league. And exactly. But he's got to make 300000 or he's not coming. Exactly, God. And that's the precedent. So we can sit down and you, you're trying to convince a player to sign for you. And you can pull in your Virgil van Dijk. And you can pull in your Mo Salah. And you can sit down with them and go, ask them what they were in. Oh, yeah, I was on this much. But when I scored 30, 40 goals in my first season, mate, I was on 30 grand a goal. And now I'm on this kind of money. Oh, great. And we all get bonuses. So, for example, we probably all got weighed in five, six million dollars each because we won the Champions League because that's how we work. But you don't get it in your wage. If you're successful, you get paid. That's an identity. Yep. And that's what Liverpool are looking for. With Manchester United, mate, I just see problem after problem after problem. But, um, God, I could be here all night, fella. Uh, any other business there, mate? And that was a nice little convo about United. But anything else you want to have a little chat about? No, no, I'm I'm good. You had already mentioned it. Pochettino, I think, is is a, the way that United should go. And he obviously doesn't look like he wants to be at Tottenham. I think it almost looks like personal set or uh, purpose sabotage right now for him, yep. especially after the the seven to two loss to Bayern at home. I mean, that's just absolutely embarrassing. The man doesn't want to be there. His bags are already packed. He every press conference looks like he's trying to piss the owners off to get. <laughs> Just get himself fired, but uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I think I w- I don't even want to talk about any other teams. It's just there's really it's such a 
poor crop. I don't think anybody besides City is really on our level this year. Correct, mate. I couldn't agree more. Literally, you know, let's look at it. Guys, we won the game. What are you worrying about? We conceded three in 20 minutes. Yes. But did we win the football match? I think if we win, Gordo, you might be able to correct me on this, but if we win every game from now till the end of season 4-3, we'll win the Premier League. But it doesn't matter. As long as you win football, you're okay to have off nights. Look at the rest of the league. I tell you this all the time. You need to listen. Look at the rest of the league. They're all rubbish. United just went today. He said, Alkmaar, I didn't have a shot on target. Spears, who you think is the third best team in the league, has just conceded seven at home. Literally, look at the league. This is the best days of your fucking life. Look at it. We lost three last season, four last season in the Champions League, and we still won the fucking thing. We've <laughs> lost one in the league, although in 45 matches. We've got the greatest 16-year-old footballer to ever play football on our books. Look at us. We are the greatest team in the world. Why aren't you listening? This is ridiculous. Man City, look at them. They're falling apart. They've got Kevin De Bruyne injured. They've got Laporte injured. That's the two best players, Gordon. They're playing Fernandinho centre-half. They're playing Otamendi, who I swear to God is worse than Dejan Lovren as their <laughs> number one centre-half, Gordo. That's why he doesn't take his shirt off because he's just got duct tape everywhere. They're, they're just Gordo, look at them. They're falling apart. Pep had a full head of hair before he went to City. Now look at him. They're finished. They're ruined. Who's better than Liverpool, Gordo? No one's fucking better no one. than Liverpool. You best know it. Have a good night, fella. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Thank you. Ta-da.